Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And today you're joining us for our recap and discussion of the final book in the Inheritance Cycle, Inheritance, by Christopher Paolini. I felt like this was a much more focused book. There were a lot of really cool things that happened in this, and it just didn't feel quite as long to me, personally, as Brissinger did. I liked a lot of the developments here. Um, but yeah, we should, we, should, we should definitely talk about how everything kind of wrapped up here. Yeah, it was nice that things happened in this book. And I really liked it, just like you said, until the end. And then there are a few decisions that Christopher Paolini made that I was like, I wouldn't have turned left, you turned right. But that's fine. Uh, all in all, a good conclusion to a fun story. Yeah, I had fun with this one. I mean, like the Siege of Drasleona was cool. Aragon going to like the home, like the forgotten ruins of the writer's it was cool. I mean, I feel like like zooming out, looking at everything, everything kind of makes sense. And then you kind of like zoom in a little bit and it's like, well, that was kind of a, an odd choice there. Yeah. Like, well, oh, that didn't really go anywhere like I thought it was going to. And I don't know. Then you kind of like look at individual characters and it's like, oh, yeah, that's a that's a nice place to end up. But then like their connection to the other characters is like also kind of weird. It didn't end as unified as I wanted, which we'll get into. But yeah, it kind of. It ended, but it kind of fizzled as opposed to like, pa-pow. Yeah, the ending was really long. Like the, the climax yeah. with Galvatorix happened and then we, and it was, I was like, oh, okay. <sighs> and then the rest of it was just, I mean, you got to wrap everything up though, right? Right. Like, but you it was gotta, very like DJ Khaled, and another one. Like, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminded me of like the end of Return of the King where it was just like, oh yeah, I guess we got to wrap this one up too, huh? <laughs> right, like, right. Oh yeah, okay. He's like, you get a dragon and they get dragons get and dragon. everybody. <laughs> you get captured and you get captured. and you... <laughs> um, I feel like it's the strongest one. The pacing is the best in this one. Um, even in my opinion, better than Aragon. One cool thing after another kept happening, which is something that I look for in a fantasy book. It's just that some of those cool things that are happening, you kind of get to the end of it and you're like, well, I mean, I guess I'm, I guess I was all right. But like, why did right. that happen exactly? You know? Yeah. And like some decisions, people seem to be like forced into like duty. But it was like, but there's also a third option here. Like, it's not this or that. You can have your cake and eat it too. But I guess don't. Yeah. But I mean, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I've had like some various complaints about this series. And I've, there's been a lot of high points too. And, you know, as I got to the end, like the last page, I was definitely like, well, I'm going to miss Sephira and Auric and I'm going to miss probably not Aragon, but I'm going to miss Roran and, <laughs> and Nasuana. Probably not, not going to miss Aragon. But though Aragon's character, I felt like was the most rounded out and fleshed out. And, and I, I felt like Aragon kind of like became a little bit more interesting in this book, which was nice. He did become a little bit more interesting in this book for sure. But yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's like I grew up with Aragon. I was like very similar to the same age as him when I read them originally. And now my my friendship is only deepened by this second go through so there was a little bit of sadness i was like oh all right the leathery wings filled the sky as they fade into the distance and my heart was heavy yeah they're like on this <laughs> boat and just going into the dark land and i was like well what's in the dark land though i want to see right <laughs> so yeah i mean uh yeah some cool stuff here but some stuff we definitely need to dig into but we'll do that after the recap all right let's do it Inheritance begins during the Siege of Bellatona. In the midst of the battle, Safira is nearly killed by the Duarte d'Artaniernen, a spear from Dufirn Skublaka created to fight dragons. Aragon and Arya find Lord Bradburn and subdue him, taking control of the city. After the battle, they are met by the king of the mysterious Werecats, who offers to join their mission to destroy Galbatorix. 
They accept, knowing they need all the help they can get. That night, Roran and Elaine's baby is born, and they name it Hope. Roran is sent to Eros as Aragon and the rest of the army proceeds to Drosleona. Roran and his contingent manages to capture Aros. With their recent success bolstering their confidence, they rejoin the rest of the army at Drosleona. Jayad finds references to an incomplete sewer system under the city, and Aragon leads a group into the city to open the gates for the Varden. During their assault, the magician Karn is killed. Aragon and Arya are captured by the priests of Helgrind, who plan to feed them to the Razak eggs. In a bold move, Angela and Solombum rescue them. Angela reveals she is in possession of the sharpest blade in existence, Albiter, which she calls Tinkle Death. During their escape, they kill most of the priests. After a desperate battle, Aragon defeats Murtag and Thorn, driving them away using the energy stored in the Ring Arryn, allowing the Varden to take control of the city. Murtag and Thorn attack the Varden camp and take Nwasa prisoner. Needing leadership, the Varden appoint Aragon as the leader as they march towards Erubain. After Aragon is made leader of the Varden, he decides to find the Vault of Souls. Hoping to arm himself with more information, he asks Solombum to tell him all he knows about the Vault. Solombum at first refuses, but Aragon convinces him to elaborate. Solombum reveals that soon after the fall of the Riders, the Weircats race was told that if a Dragon Rider, free from Galvatorix's influence, were to ever take wing, they were to advise the Rider to look under the roots of the Minoa tree for a weapon and inform them of the Vault of Souls. Heeding Solombum's advice, Aragon, Glader, and Sephira set out for Vroengard. There they discover their true names, which allow them to gain access to the Vault of Souls. Descending into the vault, the three find a massive cache of Eldunari, along with over 200 dragon eggs. The leader of the Eldunari, Umaroth, once a white dragon, tells Aragon and Sephira of how Aromas and Glader were instrumental in saving the dragon eggs and the Eldunari. Long ago, they convinced the wild dragons to give them some eggs for safekeeping, knowing that should Galbatorix's reign not be stopped, the noble race of dragons would fade into history. Aragon departs from Vroengard, taking with him many of the Eldunari. Upon leaving, all knowledge of the egg's existence is wiped from the minds of Aragon, Sephira, and the Eldunari accompanying them, so that Galbatorix cannot discover the egg cache should they fall under his control. Aragon leaves for Erobain, now under full siege by the Varden. He is accompanied by the ten elven spellcasters, Arya and Elva. Their plan is successful, and they break into Galbatorix's citadel. As Aragon desperately tries to locate Galbatorix, the ten elves are captured. Aragon manages to find him, awaiting him in a massive chamber. Galbatorix reveals that he has learned the true name of the ancient language, granting him unfathomable power, and boasts he can defeat the Varden whenever he chooses. Hoping to convince Aragon to join him, Galbatorix has Aragon once again fight Murtag, a savage battle ensues. Aragon faints and uses the momentary opening to sink Bersinger deep into Murtag's belly. Defeated and with his lifeblood pooling about him, Murtag realizes that his true name has changed, allowing him to break free from Galbatorix's control. Seizing the moment, Murtag attacks Galbatorix, using the name of names to temporarily paralyze Galbatorix's magic, stripping him of his protective wards. Knowing this could be his only opportunity, Aragon draws from the power of the Eldinari and casts a spell, 
The spell makes Galbatorix understand his crimes, feeling the grief of untold thousands. Galbatorix is unable to defend himself and is overcome with emotion. During this struggle, Arya is engaged in a battle of her own with Galbatorix's dragon. She manages to get the upper hand and stabs Shrukan in the eye with Nirnin. Defenseless and overcome with the grief of his actions, Aragon buries Bersinger and Galbatorix, dealing him a fatal blow. With his last breath, Galbatorix tries to kill everyone in the room by self-destructing. However, Aragon once again draws on the energy from the Eldunari and is able to save everyone. Free for the first time since being bonded with his dragon, Murtag and Thorn fly north to rediscover themselves and let their hate and rage disperse. After Galbatorix's demise, Nasuada becomes queen of the Empire. Arya becomes queen of the Elves as her mother perished during the battle. The final unhatched egg in Galbatorix's possession hatches for her, making her a dragon rider as well, and she names her dragon Firnin. With the threat of Galbatorix removed, the spell blocking Aragon and Saphira's memory of the hidden eggs dissolves. With the threat of Galbatorix now gone, Aragon and Saphira turn their minds toward training the next generation of dragon riders and safely caring for the recovered Eldenari. Knowing the races of Alagasia need to be united, Aragon reworks the ancient magic, binding rider to dragon, to now include dwarves and urgles. Aragon asks Arya to join him as he prepares to leave Alagasia. Arya declines, duty-bound to lead the elves as their new queen. With heavy hearts, Aragon and Saphira depart. The book ends with Aragon deciding to put the past behind him. He allows hope to fill his heart, and he turns toward the future to begin his new adventure to raise and train the next generation of riders. A deep satisfaction settles over him, and he is filled with excitement to begin his new life. A life with dragons and riders. Oh, bye, you guys. <laughs> bye, you guys. We'll see you again, though, as yeah, uh, Christopher Paolini yeah. told us, uh, Murtag is coming out, what, September, I think? Like November, I think, somewhere around there. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it was cool seeing the Murtag thing, like, right after I finished up and uh finished up the book and then i saw the the murtag post and it was like oh cool like i was kind of wondering what was because i would i don't know i thought that was kind of like it's like oh you gotta go because you're you're mad i guess i don't know i was on the fence about it because it was like man murtag you seem like a really uh like capable person to have around you know and like maybe someone that could even help aragon quite a bit if you're if, if the yeah. nature of if his true name had actually really changed which it did uh i I'm, I'm here for that right but if it had then it seems like when aragon is kind of like going off to go uh train these dragon riders it seems like murtag would be the best person to have around for that so i was kind of like right Man, like murtag like but at the same time i guess it makes sense i mean he he had just been through quite an ordeal um but I don't know. I just yeah. wish that I, I kind of wish that it had just been explored like a little bit more. Like you know, like Murtag just like hates everyone, so he's gonna go cool off. Right. Know? It seems like know. his name would change after his transformation and letting his hate and rage go away. But I guess it changed before then, and now he needs to go change himself. Like if you truly have fundamentally changed yourself, you'd think he'd be ready to take on the next thing, and his hate and rage would already have gone away. But maybe intention. Yeah. Uh, goes a long way in the world of secret names and i feel the same you know as he kind of got on thorn and was like i gotta go find myself and flaps off to the north my initial reaction was 
lame, like this whole book, a very strong theme has been unity, overcoming things together. Galbatorx wasn't defeated alone. Everyone uses the help of those around them to overcome evil. And, and unifying different races, too. Like that's And a unifying thing different too. races. Totally. Yeah. And then it's like, but I guess Murtag has to do this alone. And so he flaps off. It was just kind of... And Aragon but, has to do this alone, and Arya has to do this alone. Uh, right? Like, okay, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. But on the on the Murtag front, I was like, I was sad until I learned that Murtag, the next book, is coming out, and then I was yeah. like, okay, he was just he needed another adventure, kind of already in well, the working. Not to mention, there Murtag. is kind of like this cryptic thing that's said to Murtag before he leaves. It's like avoid like this area or something like. So obviously, I can't remember exactly what. All that was. you see is yours, except for the dark shadow land. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, speaking of Murtag, though, uh, kind of going back just a little bit, um, I also had mixed feelings on. So Naswada being taken prisoner, I thought was one of the most interesting developments in this whole Same. series. I thought it was great. I thought it was an awesome idea. Like, yeah, let's make like like let's make this difficult for everybody like this would probably be the worst possible thing that could happen right now and i'm so glad it did right um, but then and it allowed murtag and nasuada to kind of develop a little deeper relationship spend some time together albeit kind of misery time but whatever yeah um i don't know but i feel like having the chapters from nasuada's perspective was i don't know like I, f I feel like having them from murtag's perspective would have been better since he's the one that changed totally. more and he's you know, the one struggling i want to see what's going on in his brain i know what's going on in nasuada's brain oh of of <laughs> seriously though i mean like nasuada is an awesome character really uh but like seeing murtag's change in character from his own perspective would have been a lot better to read a in my opinion legally sort of back and forth I don't know. like uh i mean but you know seeing nasawada's kind of like mindset during all of this was definitely interesting seeing her being questioned by galvatorix um you know uh galvatorix's whole reasoning for everything like you know like magic is essentially like it's too much like it's too powerful for everybody and i thought that galvatorix like was a pretty interesting villain actually i mean like <laughs> Honestly, man, I think it was a pretty cool idea that somebody that's this intimate with the magical realm, the magical world, like the, the ins and outs of magic like Galvatorix is, kind of like sees it as uh, a burden for this whole world, right? He's like, it's too much, like, there's too much of it out there, it's it's hurting people. Now, the twist on it, though, is it's like, that's the that's the question, though, you know? It's like, well, okay, well, then who gets to say who gets to wield it and who doesn't and he's very okay with it being him <laughs> which is right, why right. which is why he's got to go and that's like kind of the the question that i had been asking for a lot of the series it's like well what's up why is galbatorix so bad and it's like in my opinion it's because he is superficially like no i want to do this for the good of the people but really he wants a hold on this on this magic to do with as he pleases, which he's using led, altruism to pave the road to right, his own it, power. It like lent a lot, in my opinion, to why he had to go. You know, right. uh, which which I liked. I liked that that was in there, and I liked that it was from Naswada's perspective, and that's why I like those chapters so much. It was cool. It was really cool. Yeah, it was. I agree with everything that you just said, and that I really liked that it was part of this book, and it was an idea introduced and t and and looked at a little bit what i didn't like was kind of the timing of it i f i thought that it would have been far more realized if 
over the course of the last few books, occasionally we would get maybe even from Murtag with Galbatorix, but even better, a from Galbatorix's perspective, a few little tiny chapters to kind of build him as a character because he's this big baddie. And then right at the end, he gets introduced as a big baddie with seemingly altruistic intentions, kind of like in introducing this whole thought idea, this whole thing right at the end. And it was like, man, this should have been something that we had been discovering and Aragon could have been fighting with over the course of the last few pages. I felt like that would have lent a little more weight to his character and, and some depth there, whereas he's just like a big bad guy who's like, oh, kind of interesting. You're a smart big bad guy. And then he just gets killed. Yeah, like if Aragon had found out about that um, kind of early on and then like every time Aragon uses magic, he's like, am I just bastardizing this? Like, am I, am I right. making the world a worse place because of this? And that's I another thing that like, I wasn't a super big fan of with the ending is that, you know, while it was exciting and it was climactic at a lot of points, well for executed. Sure. I mean, kind of, I mean, some parts were and some parts weren't. I mean, like, I feel right. like, uh, Aragon, like I was waiting for Aragon to be tempted and maybe that's yes. a, maybe that's a cliche that I'm just really used to in these kinds of stories, but I was waiting for Galvatorix to say, okay, so here, here is my viewpoint and you can join me and this is how awesome everything could be and like really show aragon and the audience like why it would be so tempting but it's really just join me and aragon's like never, never. and it's just like yeah it's just like okay i guess i mean totally. yeah um totally. it, just, it just made it fall a little bit flat for me like because because now it's like okay well obviously he's got to go so get get him i guess you know uh and then he does and it's like uh, woo you know uh so it just felt right what i wish you would have done was take a page you know there's definitely some pages that he took from other books and i wish you would have taken some pages from um that scene at the end of what is it the second expanse maybe the first expanse book where the one guy is like using his logic to justify what he did to eros and the proto molecule killing thousands of innocents that was like and he almost convinces everybody and then the detective shoots him you know that was the speech that we needed to be like huh well that's kind of a good point and then aragon was like but no and stabs him that would have been so cool and you know and not to mention aragon is able to take Gal galbatorix down not because of oh anything that aragon learned not because of any specific like fighting maneuvers or like biggest abilities thief. or anything like that it's like these rocks that he found on an on an island and it's like it's cool that he had to go it's cool that he went there it's cool that uh in the process of going there he learned his true name and everything right, like, like that. the dragon a soul lot, rocks the eldenaris like, yeah like a lot of yeah. parts of that are really great and then add it all together as the final thing that takes galvatorix down it's kind of like well then uh, I don't, is that really it like i mean he's just is that's how right. he's taken out like you just show him how like if he's really that bad of if he's really that evil of a person galvatorix then I feel like showing him the 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 wrongs that he's doing isn't really gonna do it. Like that's what happened, right? Am I am I reading this wrong? No, like, is that... you're totally right. He was like, "Hey, sociopath, here's all the people that you murdered." And he was like, "Oh man, I didn't realize that hurt." Yeah. And then he like like it was just so. I'm gonna say it lame. It was just lame to be like, and I defeated him with emotions. I made him feel. And it I was know, like, but oh. when I was reading it, when I was reading it, like in the moment, I was like, damn, that's pretty poetic, actually. But then I like kept thinking about it, and I was like, oh, maybe that's kind of lame. But while I was reading it, it really added a lot to the climax. You know what I mean? It was such a, 
it's why I say I have mixed feelings on this because I literally did. Like I when I was reading it, I was in the moment. You know, I was I was in there in that giant room that could house dragons with Galbatorix on his throne, like with like this big white sword, and you know everybody's here, everybody's doing it. And then Aragon shows Galbatorix all the hurt that he's caused, and it was like it was like this really cool poetic way of doing it. And then you kind of like think about it more and it's like, well, I mean, Aragon didn't really like do anything though. <laughs> right. Like, like what was I the don't point know. of all of this? I wish like, that he would have tried that and then have Galbatorix like start laughing and be like, but I would bla bathe Alagazi in the bloods yeah. of my enemies to accomplish my goal, you know? I don't know. I feel like yeah. he didn't commit to Alba Galbatorix needed to be bad or justified and good. And we kind of had this like middle ground where it was like, man, okay, he's gone. That's cool. But man, I, okay. Who I really feel sorry for, who really got the short end of the stick or short end of the spear, I should say, is his dragon. <laughs> I know. Who just was stabbed in the eye. What what was the what was the deal with um what's what's his dragon's name? Like show uh Sh Shri Khan. Sh it's like Shur Khan, like the the tiger, but it's yeah, it was like Shur yeah. UI. Um yeah, and it sucks because that dragon is like a total victim in all of this. Totally. You know, like been like genetically modified and magically modified by Galvatorix. From his yeah, real his, rider. His mind is all messed up. Yeah, that was pretty lame. It's like, man, that dragon didn't really do anything wrong. <laughs> but I guess yeah, he maybe had have to him go. set out with Aragon to like, res or maybe have him set out with Murtag to like begin his life of resuscitation or something. I don't maybe, know. Have him begin the, the dragons time. of the wild. But at the same time, also, I mean, it, it kind of made sense that both rider and dragon had to go, right? So I can see yeah. why. Like they're kind of like a pair, right? Um, but yeah, reading it, I was kind of like, oh, man, that dragon was so cool. Like, why? Ah, damn it. Yeah, he has a really cool name. Probably the coolest name of all of them. But and I loved how, um, yeah, like Paolini's uh, description of him, like when, like the curtains move behind uh, Galvatorix, and it's actually the dragon's wings, and it's just how big that freaking dragon is. And I thought that was really awesome. Um, it was like yeah. a good reveal there. Um, but yeah, so there, there were a lot of parts of this climax that really worked but like in summation it just left me feeling a little like just a little disappointed with everything and then everything kind of simpering down um i wasn't really super upset with any of the like aria getting a dragon i thought was fine like cool let's get another rider up in here like i feel like she is uh if anything um if if anybody could have a dragon i feel like aria would be a great dragon rider it makes sure. sense um, okay, let me before you move on from that. Go ahead. Yeah. The only thing that I kind of was like, okay, was I feel like and I've mentioned this in previous podcasts when it's like uh, when we were reading David Bad, it was like, I don't like to discover that one person is special because they have magic powers. And then the next chapter, you discover a whole city full of people with magic powers. It just removes the specialness. And I felt like that happened so many times during this book. Like everyone gets a magic weapon, everyone gets captured, everyone, it's like, all of a sudden there's millions of werecats and it's like by that point i was so sick of everyone getting the things that made our hero special that i was like of course she gets a dragon everybody just gets a dragon now <laughs> and also my second thought on that is she wasn't she hauling that egg back and forth for countless years like why didn't it hatch then just a little guy was sleepy or something like uh, sleepy I guess, I guess, yeah, like now for... I'm going to hatch for you <laughs> yeah that's a good question uh was it was it that egg was it three eggs yeah, yeah, three. Was, one yeah, went to Murtag, yeah, one to Aragon, totally. and then she got the third. And it was like, man, she already had that one. It should have. Maybe they can. It just wasn't ready yet. Uh, maybe right, Galbatorix's. Like... Maybe Galbatorix's influence over it slowed it down or something. Like... Right. 
I okay, I have, a qu- yeah. I have a question. Really good question, what? actually. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Somebody like, would probably be able to fill us in on that. I don't know. Yeah. I guess maybe her true name changed or something in the struggles of everything. And so he's like, oh, I like you now. I don't know. Um, okay, so help me understand what exactly changed Murtag's true name. So one of the explanations seems to be there's like a story that somebody tells or uh, I can't remember exactly what the situation was, but we we find out as a reader that um, your true name can change if you uh, conduct yourself differently, right? Like your true name is not set in stone. Um, and I think it, it's even brought up uh, with regard to Murtag at an earlier point in the series. Um, and so Murtag chooses to help Nasuada, right? Um, it's 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 hinted at that there's some kind of like love connection there too a romance connection there of, of sorts or that they they love each other in mm-hmm. that way um but more than that it's murtag chooses to go against or do something that he knows would make galvatorix really upset and okay. turn, basically betray galvatorix for the good of this cause and everything so i think that that's what changes um i look at the name as like your nature you know what i mean it's like, like yeah. yeah i mean like 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 murtag is no longer the kind of person that would betray somebody even though he knows it's the wrong thing to do you know like he would he would do it if it was the right thing to do which makes it which gives him a lot more integrity and like that's right. which is that's kind of what did it you know that's right at least which that's is... how i looked at it like, okay okay that, that all makes sense to me and that's really cool the thing that kind of muddies the waters for me was the f- the changing of his name frees him from Galbatorix's control. So was he controlled by Galbatorix, thus not making the decisions himself, or was he choosing to be on Galbatorix's side? It's like was he under control or not? Was he making the choices to do that or not? And if he wasn't, then how does now choosing the good, which he never even had the ability to do in the first place because he was under control, change his true nature because it wasn't him making those actions it was the control of galvatorix's influence being imposed but upon see, him i think that i see my theory is that is that murtag like galvatorix this whole time has has specifically chosen not to control people's minds right like he doesn't do it to nasawada uh even i think it's even mentioned like and he's like no i'm not i don't do that you know what i mean right. and, and so the thing with murtag the thing well yeah but like still but with still murtag <laughs> I guess, but like with with Murtag, like Mur- some part of Murtag was choosing to do this stuff, you know, like when he when he has this conversation with Aragon at the end of Eldest, and he says, "You need to hear it from his point of view." You know what I mean? Like, like he, that's really Murtag talking there. That's Murtag's nature. That's Murtag's name. And so while he's being influenced, he's not necessarily being controlled by Galvatorix. So that's why. Uh, it's really okay. difficult. It's really difficult for Murtag to change his name to go against the things that he has uh, learned from Galbatorix, the the influence that has been set onto him by Galbatorix, but not necessarily a one hundred percent elimination of Murtag's autonomy. You know, so while it is extremely difficult for him to do that, he did do it, which did change his name. That's at least how I look at it. You know, like Galbatorix had didn't have any interest in literally controlling um murtag or naswatos or even aragon's minds at least as far as through from the text that i read you know what i mean from okay from right I was getting he like convinced them of the 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 goodness or the rightness of his ways and then 
had them like swear fealty basically which yeah, was I mean, the control okay that makes sense to they me. wouldn't even like it's it's like how good of a servant would they really be if they didn't really believe like of their own volition what he was wanting to do right, they'd be slaves know? right exactly and they wouldn't be as useful they'd still be kind of useful but not as useful like murtag right. think about how how useful murtag was when galvatorix got him to really see his point of view you know what i mean right. like, think I about think the stealing way stealing nasuata was all on him right exactly and then he gets right. there and he's like okay. wait a minute wait a minute and that's why his name changed um i thought all of that was good honestly okay. like that's okay that's like now that you cleared it part i think it's book. good too yeah. okay let's talk about love i am uh, intrigued. Yeah, let's do it let's talk about love <laughs> i'm intrigued to hear your thoughts on the teasing kind of like vapid buildup that we had of <laughs> maybe flaccid was the word the flaccid buildup of aragon and aria's relationship and then the kind of teasy introduction that we get from the potential of relationship between Murtag and Nasuwada and then we get like a crazy scene of mating between two dragons and everybody goes their separate ways and nobody gets the love thoughts so okay so my thoughts on this and this is this might be controversial I might piss a lot of people off when I say this but <laughs> um I would have done the exact same thing honestly like this was never a story about Aragon and Arya getting together. Right, but give us Nasuada and Murtag then. Have maybe that one. Okay, maybe something. that one. Maybe maybe Nasuada and Murtag give a little ship there. Um, but in my opinion, this was always bigger than like a teenager's crush on a hundred-year-old elf. You know, I mean, like I and I think that it's shown multiple times throughout the text. Like that, this isn't what this is about. Like this is this is bigger than how Aragon feels about Arya and regardless of their feelings about each other it's remained bigger than them too you know and I think that's right. what I think that's what that last scene between Aragon and Arya is all about is like even Aragon is like come come on and and Arya is like Arya is like no I but your I'm, face is beautiful as the moon I'm, I'm a queen I'm a queen and you got to go start your own dragon rider academy like we're we're not done working yet you know and this thing can't happen and honestly I've really liked that. I thought it was great. It was it was a very good example of how the story's not over. Like and and things are bigger than just how you feel about something. Things are bigger than what you want sometimes. And it's a bittersweet ending where Aragon, you know, trains his ass off. He goes through a whole lot of things over the course of these books. He learns so much. His personality changes so much. And still he's not in a position and to be in that there. relationship. I mean, that's that's kind of that's no, what I right. took from it, at least. I mean, because it would have been like boy gets the girl at the end, seal it with a kiss at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. But then what are they going to do? Is are right. they going to have a long distance relationship where they're talking to each other by scrying for months at a time? And like, you know, like, are they going to have like scry sex and stuff? And like, <laughs> scry sex. no, no, they're not going to do that. Like, and I, I remember thinking that like send scry nudes. I mean, <laughs> but like, no, that's not how it's going to happen. Like, Aragon has to go do this thing. Uh, Arya is, is a queen now. You know, she's got responsibilities. Right. And I would hope that Aragon meets somebody else that lines up more with, uh, you know, kind of like what he's got going on. And yeah. maybe it's Arya down the line because she's a dragon rider and stuff, but not right now, you know? Right. And that was kind of the, that was kind of the essence of their whole thing or if you could even call it a thing throughout mm -hmm. most of the book is not right now, you know? And I think that having Aragon have feelings for her, 
and then not having those feelings reciprocated and then building those feelings to grow into a more like mature kind of like respect and love for each other, but having it still not be quite the time. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that too. I, I definitely could, you know, and totally. It felt more, it felt like it made more sense. And I know that, so that's my whole thing on it. And I know that it's really controversial because I've seen reviews where people were like, yeah, the book is fine, but I hate Paolini because he did this, you know, like he didn't, he should have just smashed these two together and they should have just <laughs> banged off into the sunset. But I just, yeah, I didn't see it. Okay. I agree with what you just said. That made a lot of sense to me. And I like that. And it reinforces the theme of, uh, personal sacrifice. Sometimes you have to set aside what you want in order to do what's right and in order to do what's best for everyone around you. I, I really like what you said. That was that was good. What did confuse me a little bit, so I, two things. One, I didn't really know that this story wasn't complete, that Paolini had a plan to write more. So like that kind of assuages me a little bit. What you said helps a lot. And then also like my last question. Yeah, knowing that there's more. And then my last question would be, why does Aragon feel the need to f seek out a place to train the dragons? Doesn't the elves already have like the system set up and they have the spot? And then like, so like, it, I feel like there was really no, re there was really no reason for Aragon to be separate from Arya, though. I, I like what you said. It doesn't, you know, barring their love, like the elvish forest seems like a great place to train the dragons. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I did find now. Okay, what probably you just something said, in there for yeah. Sure. Like, what you just said, I loved. I love it a lot. Like it, great. I'm on the side of of what you just said. What I do think is still a little like what was the smash sesh we had between uh, Arya's dragon and Safira? Yeah, that was, that was really because like, you know it's funny because Safira's just like <laughs> Safira's just like oh you got to make sure you don't bang anybody because it'd be like if we were banging and I'd right, probably so be there. intimate and, and I'm in your brain yeah, yeah and then like the first dragon Safira meets she's just like let's get it on let's go and yeah and everyone's like lizard sex <laughs> <laughs> and then they yeah, just like leave they have like a one night stand and like this dragon is pretty young right he was like magicked into having an older <laughs> body so she like did with the young I know, one? and Safira's like giving know. Aragon a bunch of shit about how Arya is way older than him, and she's just like, totally. no, it's like totally different with dragons. It's totally <laughs> not a big deal. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm glad. I'm like, I'm happy that um, Safira. Someone had... got some. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Real. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things about when you're when you get to the end of a uh, two thousand, two and a half thousand, three thousand word uh, story like this. Um, you know, it's like what we were talking about with the Dark Tower, right? Where, like, we want everything to sew itself up so nicely. We want everything to make sense. We want everything totally. to um, be clean. Yeah, um, and I think that there's a really big difference between um, something not being sewn up because the story's not over, and something being uh, kind of thrown together for convenience sake that doesn't really make sense for the story. Those mm -hmm. those are two different things. You know what I mean? So. Um, like in my opinion, uh, Arya and Aragon not getting together makes sense for the story if you zoom out and look at it. In my opinion, um, and I know a lot of people disagree with that. But then, like Aragon using like these rocks basically to like take down Galvatorix, I just thought it was kind of I thought it was a little bit phoned in, you know? Right? Like, like why why have it be the cause of a weapon that takes him out? Let's reinforce the theme of unity and togetherness overcoming the evil 
which kind of was, but then it was like the end. It was like, yeah, but uh, we wouldn't have been able to do it without the magic super weapon that we had. I mean, I guess you could make the argument that they are able to like because of all the training that Aragon had gone through and um, them all being together up until that point, they wouldn't have gotten to that point without that having been. The, you yeah. know what I mean? So and, and I guess, I guess you could the... make that argument. I guess the magic rocks um, are the Eldenari, are the slain souls of all the dragons. So it is kind of like that's why I said it was po- their poetic. Revenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. okay, that's, okay, I'm with that. Um, but I just the only reason I didn't like it was because it felt to me like like why did it have to be Aragon that did that? You know what I mean? And right, like it felt it felt like the story was setting it up so that like Aragon was going to have to be the one that took Galvatorix out. Like maybe I'm reading too much into things, but. I feel no, like you're it's not clear. Was, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's not like it's not the Harry Potter like prophecy where like not one can't live while the other survives or whatever. Um, it wasn't quite that black and white, but obviously Aragon's gonna have to. I just I wish it was something that Arag- I wish it was like an ability or something that Aragon had learned that Galbatorix wasn't expecting or that Galbatorix uh like underestimated um his ability to do something or you know right. not not Galbatorix didn't think that Aragon would have a bag full of magic rocks you know what I mean? <laughs> and like, make that's... him just be overcome with emotions what I thought yeah. and and we really try not to rewrite authors books as clearly this is beloved by the hearts of many but that being said I think it would be really cool if Aragon used his magic to destroy the bond binding his dragon to him and then Shrew Khan comes out of nowhere at the end and chomps him down that would have been cool Right, yeah. gobbles him up, and it's like his own evil ends up killing him. His own yeah. twisted machinations end I mean, you up being could, his. You could downfall. say that's kind of already what happened in a yeah. roundabout way, but I like I kind of like yours. It would have like visually looked like way cooler. Yeah, totally. Because I mean, you know, if I'm left with a feeling of like, really, that was it, then it's not. You know, I don't think it's gonna right, be that right. Great. But um, something, yeah. something I really liked in this book is, and we mentioned it just minutes ago, but is the reoccurring theme of unity everyone needs to come together to overcome evil kind of like the quote that i really love which is you know the only thing that evil needs is for good men to do nothing and this was a real strongly themed story of goodness getting together overcoming their own personal squabblings overcoming the differences that are super long um deep ingrained in them like between urgles and the rest of everyone else to come together and defeat the unity which is why the ending did feel a little bit like just kind of wait what when everybody goes their separate ways it was like unity and not unity well i mean they needed unity to take down that evil but then it makes sense that they would separate to go do their various things that they need to do you know there's no more big evil in the world that they all need to unify against i mean it's like when the avengers don't have to fight anybody they're all off doing their own thing you know right right Uh, doing getting solo movies so it kind of makes sense um but I want to talk about Roran for a little yeah. bit uh, because he oscillates between someone that I am so excited to read and someone where I, I can't figure out why he has this many pages. You know, <laughs> it's it's so it's so weird because like sometimes when Roran's on the page, like uh, when you're looking when you're staring down at a good like Roran jumping into a battle like scene those are Russians so much fun skulls. those are huge high points of the series for me definitely and even down to like different conversations that roran has like when roran and uh king Orin get in a fight like not yeah. a fight fight but like get in an argument i was just on team 
Roran there. And yep, I really, the relationship uh, between him and Katrina, excellent. Yeah, um, a lot of Roran is tackled very, very well. Having him have a bit a different of a temperament than Aragon and stuff. And, you know, he's Aragon's cousin, but he's a different guy, you know, and so I liked exploring that. It's like, then you kind of like zoom in a little bit more and you're like, mm-hmm. well, did he really like, what was up with him going and sieging like Aros? Like there was like, he's, he's the exact same guy at the end of that. Nothing's really changed other than that they had eliminated something. They didn't want to fight a war on two fronts or right. whatever, but it's like. We didn't even hear of this city beforehand. There was yeah. no strategic like. Yeah, Naswata like, was like, you just got to go take care of this. And then he just like rides off and takes care of it and then comes and back. And it's like, this was like a hundred pages. I mean, his friend, uh, his like sorcerer friend. Um, Karen, Karen, which Karen was cool. I liked him. Yeah. Um, but like he died, and like that whole scene visually was really awesome when when Karen died like that. Um, when he was fighting that other sorcerer and stuff, it's great. Um, so you know, it's a cool battle, but like, what's the point of any of this? Like, why do we have right. to keep going back to this like over and it's over? Exciting, again? but ultimately yeah. purposeless. Yeah, and I feel like uh, that's that's why. Brissinger was kind of rough to get through and then it's not really as much of an issue at all in this book in my opinion like it's it felt a lot more like all right now we got to go do this we got to go do this now now we got to go do this oh we just found out about this cool let's go take care of this and it felt more like the ending of a series to me right it was great not so much time needing though and talking to the village people yeah um like Roran and Aros it was just kind of like all right <laughs> well right. I mean I'm glad that okay. Roran got another thing to go do but he didn't even like come back with anything cool or like you know what i mean <laughs> like right like, like what if or what if when Roran had like gone to rs he had been like i found these like magic spearheads that'll like i don't know something right something, or freed the king know? of the werecats allowing him to rally all the other werecats which was also like what like they're legendary we don't even know if they exist oh there's one crazy creatures of legend yeah. there's a whole civilization of them they have a king <laughs> like, okay i like the werecats me too oh, i love yeah. the werecats it was just weirdly presented kind of like um and i feel like that's that's what happens a lot in this book is you are kind of set up to be like oh i anticipating one thing and then it kind of turns a weird direction like angela straight up prophecies that aragon will have a and i quote epic romance yeah he didn't even get to first base <laughs> like he didn't even get to bat like he was just <laughs> like what I was, but i mean maybe that's the future time and you know knowing yeah, that the story is yeah. unfinished assuages a lot of my like arched eyebrows yeah i mean <laughs> i know that this book was like definitely um it was well received in the sense that i think people really liked reading the last part of this cycle you know um but i think that for a lot of people when this came out in like 2011 they were just like kind of like how you were feeling was just like what like wait that's it yeah. you just wrapped it up like we're done and no uh no there's gonna be more stuff that comes out so i think like even when we started this i had already heard rumors that there was going to be a fifth book so i was kind of oh, okay. aware that this wasn't really like the ending so me getting to the end of this book and knowing that there's going to be more to come i was kind of like i had a different mindset about it like i i'm i'm sure you, in the right mindset <laughs> i mean i'm sure it's it's just like when um like when crossroads of twilight came out like the wheel of time book i think like quite a bit of time had come had passed between books 9 and 10 in the wheel of time like or at least not like a bunch of time but more time than had passed between the previous ones and so people were like 
man, when's that 10th book coming out? Like something crazy just happened in book nine. And there's like a really intense, there's an important event that happens in book nine of the wheel of time. Is that after or before um, Sanderson wanna... has the story? Oh, uh, uh, Sanderson took over on book 12. So, oh, okay. uh, so this was still Robert Jordan. There's and then so when, many. when Crossroads of Twilight came out, apparently a lot of people were really upset because Crossroads of, Twi Crossroads of Twilight is like a, it's like a pretty boring book. I mean, it's a couple of cool things happen, but it's a lot of like tea and sitting in the White Tower and like kind of just plotting and talking about like sea list characters that don't really matter and like just arguing a lot. over who gets to be with the hero. Oh, not even that. No, no. There's like it's is that a lot happens. by then? No, it's not. But like just not oh, a okay. lot. Not a lot happens in Crossroads. So a lot of people were really frustrated with that book. But then on a on a read now, if you were to just go through all the books right now, and you didn't have to wait that long between books nine and 10, and then you were able to move on to 11 quickly, mm. like it wouldn't be that bad. Much for let down. Yeah, like I've seen a lot of uh, and when I read it, I was like, I was like, this is boring, but I don't know. It's fine. Like, I know that I'm going to move on to 11. So right. you don't mind um, the filler episode when you know you have more after it. Right. Exactly. So like, um, so when this book came out, um, because of the way that the ending, the ending feels very kind of like, um, almost like when Arya kills the Night King in the eighth season of Game of Thrones, where it's like, wow, we really built up to that. And with like one paragraph, one little action, like it's over, you know? Right. And, so, all right, well, Ooh. I guess we're just moving on and going to figure some other stuff out now. We, but yeah. Galvatorix was like the main villain for so long. It was more preparatory feeling than conclusionary, you know? But, I mean, like, think about it. Like, what if there's eight books in this series and Galvatorix was one out of, like, a bigger, like, situation that Aragon totally. and the people that he trains are going to have to deal with in conjunction with uh, the elves and the dwarves and everything. And this was all just, like, a setup, a setup. you know? And so... Like, that's how I kind of like went into the ending of this book, which I feel like I'm a lot more privileged of a reader to be able to do that. Because in 2011, I probably would have felt the same and been like, wait, what? Like, what the hell is this? If I, if I were to recommend these books to people, I would tell them to go into it with that mindset because it'll yeah, really yeah. ease the your experience of the last. OK, so I have a quote and a question. Sure. As Murtag was about to leave, she said, Murtag, he paused and turned to regard her. She hesitated for a moment, then mustered her courage and said, why? Why her? Why save her? And now why try to rescue her? And she had guessed at the answer, but she wanted to hear him say it. And he stared at her for the longest while. And then in a low, hard voice, in a low, hard voice, he said, you know why? Why do you think is his reason? What do you think is his reason? What is the why? I mean, he just loves her. Okay. Like it's that. I feel like it's just that simple. Like, totally. Yeah. He just loves her. Like, right. Like if knows. anything can break break evil's calloused defenses it's love right okay yeah, totally and yeah. i just wanted to make sure that i was with you on that one <laughs> yeah i mean definitely what did you think about galbatorix's self-destruct move kind of reminded me of ganondorf in ocarina of time like <laughs> at the end when he's like if you can't like have takes, it i no yeah, one he can just like takes down the castle and they all have to run out of there and stuff uh yeah i don't know yeah <laughs> by it that point i was like yeah sure yeah totally. yeah fine fine i'm I, glad that aragon finally used Arin the ring because he forgets to use it so no often. he doesn't forget to use it he chooses not to use it well like, in his first I, battle with murtag he did and he even says yeah, like i wish i, I would have remembered yeah. no, to use that true. vast that's true, that's true. <laughs> <power>. <laughs> but for a lot of the time in brissinger and in inheritance i feel like there's like a couple different scenes where he's really tempted um yeah that's doesn't. true when he when he gets free from Hellgrind after rescuing Katrina with Roran. He's like, 
destitute trying to like yeah. get energy by like <laughs> killing the plants and he's all sad about it he has this like unfathomably large pool on his finger <laughs> can, can he only use it the one time though i don't think so i think it works like any of his others he can use it as at his leisure hmm. i feel I like he thinks so, i think he anyway. can only use it the one time i think it's like stored up um but speaking of brahm because uh, the ring was brahms right uh yeah, yeah. Uh, Given to speaking, him by his sons and Zandi. It's it's funny when um Aragon is in Galbatorix's like final boss arena and uh <laughs> Galbatorix is like, You're the son of Morzan, like blah blah blah. And then Aragon's like, No, actually, uh uh Murtag is my half brother. Uh my my dad is Brom, actually. And then <laughs> and then Galbatorix is like, ah, totally yeah no you're right i totally see it and it was just <laughs> it's just like this funny like family reunion style conversation wait where he's he like, slept with oh, oh okay oh, yeah, totally yeah, totally no, yeah, yeah they always had an actually, eye for each other <laughs> damn you're actually pretty kind of a spitting image of that guy all right all right and then he's like this will be way more interesting which leads me to my other point which was like i thought it was <laughs> it's just kind of like funny that galbatorix was just like okay so before I okay. <laughs> conduct my evil on all of you. First, a duel. <laughs> between... Right, but first, fight I, your like, brother. Literally, <laughs> just for sport. And he's like, he's even like, don't kill each other. I just want to see you guys fight. You right, know? And entertain like... me. <laughs> he's evil, not evil. Okay, speaking of his specific flavor of evil, right? He was like, I need to destroy magic because it's too powerful. Yada yada. But then at the end, Nasuada tasks Aragon to kind of. She's like. Magic is too powerful. We need someone to police it, which is weird because, like, who polices the police? But that's a different uh, question. So she's like, Aragon, do that. But that seems like exactly what Galbatorx was trying to do. So it's like, Nasuada just kind of, like, picked up the mantle of Gal. I mean, of course, she's going to go about it better, I guess. But it seemed no, weird yeah, that Aragon's their just... goals were the same. Well, I mean, I think um, Galbatorx's whole thing is that he's, like, crazy, right? That's what everybody right. says about him. It's like, he's he's been corrupted by his own past or whatever you know what i mean like like galvatorix is not in a position to um handle that kind of power so the like like aragon isn't fighting against the idea of this power he's fighting against the wrong people using it um which okay is which i don't know like i don't because <laughs> then it's like it's weird because because it's like well yeah but i mean like just because like I mean, Aragon, how many people have you murdered? You know what I mean? Right, like, right. like in the name of keeping people safe. And and I'm not even saying that's a failing of this series. That's one of the big questions that this series does ask, and the characters ask it frequently. And I think it's one of the things that this series handles pretty well is like, at, like at, at what point are you crossing the line into the very evil that you're trying to destroy, right? I right. mean, like how many people have, like Roran kills 200 people. For 193 or whatever he corrects that guy we know because um, he's counting yeah <laughs> well i think someone <laughs> else counted but but he remembered the number uh but you know like aragon kills people while they're screaming aragon kills there's so many parts in inheritance where it's like they're like talking to each other and killing people just kind of like <laughs> casually as they're like trying to get somewhere you know um it'll like the the, the narration will say like roran was like running along the battlements and noticed something and then these guys got in his way and he like killed them real quick and then moved on and it's like right. dude he just killed like two people like human beings you know that one guy uh, was begging aragon for his life right, as he exactly. ran away and aragon um, still killed him so but I think that um, 
you know, we're only seeing Aragon's side of things, but I mean, Galvatorix, uh, through kind of like his own admission, I feel like wouldn't have been a very good person to police or, um, or at least like, um, be in charge of controlling who gets to use magic and who doesn't. Again, the point that this story is going to be continued really helps a lot here. But if this was the last one, I think I might have preferred it if Aragon just decided to stop making more dragon riders and just released all the eggs and the dragons to like live undo the magic and like release them to live and flourish in the wild, thus ensuing never again would any one person have the dragon-fueled power to make another Galbatorix. Like ultimate power corrupts ultimately. And I see history just kind of doomed to repeat itself with the lessons of the past never being learned. It's like, let's do the exact same thing and set up a situation where that can happen again, but this time we just won't let it. Like, what? Right, I know. There's like a certain kind of like, it's almost like there's like a certain like status quo being kept here, you know? Um, which yeah. Is, which is definitely interesting. But and it's like, um, we'll let the dwarves and the urgles in. It's like, okay, it seems like a twisted sense of equality where every race just is now equally capable of destroying the world. Like, wow, well, how liberating. And I think that that's, <laughs> I think that's where a lot of like para, uh, parallels between this and Star Wars get drawn. You know, I mean, like uh, Luke after the events, of, at least in like Legends canon, uh, Luke after the events of Return of the Jedi goes and, and forms a new Jedi Academy. Um, which I think is actually tackled in the new stuff, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm twisting Hopefully. up. I'm twisting up lore here, but um, like Luke goes and starts a new Jedi Academy, and then like a lot of the conversations around the Jedi, even in like the prequels and um, and a lot of the movies and stuff, is like, well, are the Jedi like really a force for good, though? You know, right? Um, and I think that the same thing could be said here, where it's like, you know, are the Dragon Riders? going to continue to be a force for good like maybe they were That's at some point in the past right um but do we even really need them you know like the right allegacia the same allegacia as it was when we had the dragon riders you know um and i think that like for aragon for the story to assume that they need them um is odd because i don't think that there's ever really been uh, but then you get people like Galbatorix that, that crop up, and the only one that was able to but take him down wasn't wouldn't have dragon. cropped up if yeah. the Dragon Riders didn't exist. You know, it's like a yeah. it's, it's yeah. kind of short sighted yeah. in that, yes, we've elected the official of our dreams. We've got the president who's going to kill it. Let's give him all the power. But like the next president might not be. So I feel like it's very dangerous to give one group or one individual so much power, regardless of that person's goodness or altruism, because if that power can be passed on to the next person, there's no way of ensuring that that person won't abuse it, which is exactly what brought down the dragon riders. And we're just doing that again. Yeah. It's interesting. Maybe that, maybe that'll be dealt with though in the next maybe books. will. Yeah. Like I, I said, that, that does assuage a lot of this. And I think that, um, like, like Paolini was exploring that in these books. Um, I mean, having Aragon be so conflicted about so many different things. I mean, I would have been just as conflicted at certain parts because like, like I said, in like, I think the first or second, uh, episode that we did on this, like who, like Aragon doesn't have like a full picture of what's going right. on here which i which is why like like you said at the beginning of the episode it would have been nice to have maybe some galvatorix point of view chapters in like book three or something or and th i think that's what was attempted with naswada being taken it's like we needed to see 
we could we couldn't just wait to see Galbatorix until like the very end of the book. It would have felt very like pulpy, you know, to mm-hmm. kind of like save the Dark Lord until the very end, and then the Dark Lord is just like, I'm gonna kill all of you. Blah, 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 blah. And and like <laughs> um it wouldn't have made for it like I I think I feel like there was at least a pretty great attempt here at like a, at establishing a, a a sympathetic antagonist. Um but I think that it probably should have been stretched into the previous books so that we really would have like been tempted ourselves as the reader, which would have like introduced a lot more conflict into the story. I'm curious to, uh, and I sound like I'm picking this apart, but I really did enjoy reading it. But, you know, there's just, like I said, or like you said, all of it was great. And then right at the end, you're kind of like, oh, well, those are some interesting decisions, such as including the Urgles, which I think eventually should happen. But I feel like that's something that should happen 50 years from now. Like Garzvog talking with Aragon during their run was like, I know that we need to fundamentally change our culture or the part of it that makes it so the only way to establish yourself is by killing an already established member of our culture. Um, Because we didn't really see any of that change, but we've just ha- we've heard from one member of their race that is no longer around that was like, yeah, we need to change. But then now we should equip all of the other ones with dragons. Like, let's wait till they change and then give them the dragons, you know? Maybe that's what the dragon riders ultimately should be for is to police each other instead of like Alagasia. You know nice. what I mean? So like if there was like a an Urgle uprising, it's like, well, no, give them the opportunity, you know, um, and have the respect for these other races that they deserve and right. treat empower and, themselves. Yeah, okay, like keep okay. everybody on the same level. And then if one wants to hang itself by its own rope, then the other dragon riders can come in and deal with it. Um, but you I mean, like withholding that from the other races would i feel like create enmity where it didn't need to be anyway so if like maybe aragon's kind of vision for everything was like all right let's just make this a total equal thing and then if anything bad happens then we have more dragon riders if you think about it from from very different races that would be able to collectively deal with this instead of just the elves or just the humans or whatever you know yeah, yeah, okay, that, that makes sense to me, and I really do like the end game here. It just does seem like you can't switch off like a switch hundreds of years of casual dogmatic cultural violence, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's like part of their like whole yeah, like, like uh, upward mobility is like murdering people. Yeah, I see what totally. you're saying. They're yeah. like, now we sing Kumbaya and we're men. Like, okay, no. <laughs> yeah, and I think, uh, but I, I think that's what that whole party thing was for. I think even Aragon at, at one point thinks to himself like, oh yeah, I had just been seeing the soldiers and stuff. There's like a whole community here there's like ergol babies that even really kind of look like humans actually with their like with the exception of like their little horns and stuff and right like, right ergol women and the ergol old people and stuff and oh yeah this is like a whole thing you know i don't think uh, there's very many old people <laughs> maybe not probably get killed by the young rams <laughs> Yeah, they're like a they're like a Spartan society. Very smart. Yeah, I would have been thrown off the cliff in the Spartan because I'm left-handed. Oh wow. Yeah, you need to be right-handed in order to like maintain the shield wall. You know. I wonder how historically accurate that is. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they were pretty darn good <laughs> fighters, and like I'm pretty good with my right hand also. So like I feel like you I could hold the shield with your right hand. Yeah, like I train or in stick and and knife, and I have to train in order to do the um exercises that we do i have to do use my right hand or else they just don't work uh tell me what you think the book's title means inheritance Mm -hmm. Um, i think it works with a few different characters right so like Arya inherits the throne from her mom 
Um, she inherits a dragon egg, so that could be inheritance. I mean, even the cover is a is F- Fernor. What's his name? Uh, Fernan, I think. Fernan. The cover Fyrin. is the cover is Fernan. Um, so there could be Arya's inheritance to that dragon egg to being a queen. Uh, inherit uh, Aragon's um, hypothetical inheritance of Galvatorix's reign at some point, which I think is like loosely offered to Aragon. Um, it could be Murtag's um, like birthright uh, as Morzan's son. So I think that that's probably what that alludes to. And then I feel like uh, Brissinger is obviously the name of Aragon's sword, which makes sense. It's also uh, fire. So yeah, uh, for the third book, makes sense. That's when Aragon forges the sword. Uh, and then for book two, Eldest, I think that means uh, Murtag is Aragon's elder brother, right? Oh, and like, like respect your elders, like Oromus is still alive. Oh, maybe, um, yeah, and stuff. yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Oromus could be considered the eldest of the writers yeah. or whatever. Um, and then Aragon, obviously, it's pretty clear cut. Totally. <laughs> That's about And Aragon. more, I think you nailed it, uh, a hammer on the head of the nail. And I think... To finish your statement, the inheritance cycle more broadly is referencing the the tendency for the evilness and the problems of our fathers to kind of be for history to repeat itself in the negative. And it's up to us to take our inheritance and make it better to stop the cycle. Right. Yeah, totally. And I think that um, this is just one cycle. This is one turning of the wheel of time if you will. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, the idea that, um, you know, this has happened before, it'll probably happen again, you know, like learn from history, try not to, re- uh, to try to get in the way of it repeating itself in any sort of like, negative way, um, which I think happens in this. I mean, there's so much talk of like how things were and how things used to be and the way that things could be. Right, um, the good old days. And the bad days, you know, right. like the days where Galbatorix was just murdering dragon riders left and right. Okay, here's some fun lore for you that I just loved. That uh, Vrail was one of the final dragon riders and one of the most powerful ones when Galbatorix was killing them all. And it was rumored that he was the only one who had enough strength to defeat Galbatorix. <laughs> but as the injured Vrail attempted to fight, Galbatorix kicked him in the fork of his legs before decapitating <laughs> all the power, all the dragons, all the magic, and the dragon riders are still brought down by a swift blow to the nuts, yep. which is a great um, thing to keep in mind if you're ever in a self-defense situation. Yeah, that'll usually do it. That'll yep. usually do it. No totally. shame. No shame. Brought either. down if a dragon rider. Yeah, if you feel like you're in motor. danger, you go for it. You, take like, to the eye, kick to the nuts. Yep, yep. That'll, that's your surefire way. <laughs> <laughs> And as you're running away giggling, it brought down the the largest, <laughs> most powerful group of dragon riders ever, and uh, it allowed you to free yourself from that situation. <laughs> one, one other cool part that I really enjoyed was uh, uh, Islandari and Roran fighting Barst, the head general. I thought oh, that yeah. was that was nice and epic, and it was a really cool balance between um, what was going on, and I was going to call it the, like the throne room, uh, like what was going on in the throne room, and the, the uh, like. Urbane, like the stronghold and stuff, mm-hmm. and then uh, kind of like panning back to stuff outside. It was really cool to see, kind of like almost Roran's like equal, I guess you could say, in like rank or whatever. Um, yeah, I thought that that was just like a really well executed battle, uh, really yeah. exciting. It, it didn't feel like super drawn out, but it was really long. 
um but i was happy with how long it was it was cool totally and it was good to throw a little bit of loss in there in that while one group is away saving and rescuing and gaining another group is losing and that kind of sometimes in order to overcome evil and get good you have to um sacrifice you have to lose something honestly i thought more people were gonna die like me too i'm I'm not saying i'm like like i'm not upset that some characters didn't that that some characters didn't die like it's fine right also it was just like i feel like one of the things that who would you have killed if you wrote the book or definitely like yeah um, aria probably aria yeah, yeah, yeah probably aria probably roran i probably would have killed roran Ooh, um, wow uh not murtag i wouldn't have killed murtag but i probably would have killed roran i killed murtag's dragon <laughs> nah no i oh, oh my god i love that part where murtag's dragon is just like thank you for not killing my rider eric like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> appreciate you bro uh, yeah, that was, seriously. Uh, but yeah um like you know so one thing about this uh, as we kind of like close out towards the end of this series, you know, um, there's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of chaos. Um, there's a lot, a lot of, of peril. Healing. There's a lot of peril. And, but is there though? You know what I mean? Like, that's like the thing that, <laughs> that it's, it's like, I feel like when, when Roran is in Aros, um, I was never really worried about him, you know? Um, I'm not really worried about anybody. Like, no. it's just, I, I never really felt through this entire series like anybody was in was in any actual real danger um and i was right like yeah you know what i mean even like when nobody... murtag was rumored to be dead i was like he's not dead oh he's yeah fine. i guess that was the one character where i was like oh wow they killed murtag off because uh, like his i clothes, never believed for us i know but like it's dead. i really for some reason like that one fooled me because i was like oh his i mean his clothes are like next to like this giant hole like, who takes the clothes off a corpse? I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just thought he was dead. So, yeah, I was definitely really surprised. But, yeah, for all of Brissinger and all of uh, Inheritance, like, there's so many battles, there's so many fight scenes, there's so much of this stuff. And, like, not once was I like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. Like, they're going to make right. it through just fine. You know, not like, even like Angela, a side character, you know, which would have been kind of cool if she managed Who also had a magic blade, the sharpest ever built. Like, okay, everyone has magic swords. <laughs> Um, know, okay, what so was, what was up with that spear at the beginning? Where like it's like they're they're they were um they were sieging like that one city in like the beginning of the book, and they're like fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting, and then like this guy comes out with this big spear, and then like this, and they're all just like, oh my god, it's one of those, it's, and it's the like, blah, blah, spear, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like wait, what? What the hell is this? Like, spears uh, almost died a bunch of times from regular weapons. Like why I do we know. need the crazy? Okay, so as we wrap here, I want <laughs> to hear what you think about the prop. What, what, two things. One, what do you think is going to happen in Murtag? What do you think the, the direction the story is going to take? And then talk to me a little bit about the prophecy that Aragon will never come back to Elegasia, or will he? And why sure, is that even yeah. a thing? Um, so I think Murtag is going to be uh, about Murtag just doing his thing. Uh, obviously, it's going to take place a little bit after these events. Um, and I think that he'll have an, some sort of intention to go do something, but it might get interrupted with something he has to do regarding the Dragon Riders. He's going to get pulled back in. Mm, so that's okay. what I that's what I think Murtag is going to be. I think um, you're right. And and I think that w- what would be interesting is if he wasn't ready for it. Yeah. Uh, that would be really cool to to see him kind of deal with that for sure. Because uh, Murtag's a really conflicted character, and seeing an entire book from Murtag's perspective is going to be 
cool. Like really he's cool. easily one of the most interesting characters in this whole series. So uh, totally. Yeah. yeah. And he has the capacity for like deceit and a little bit more of a like a got an edge to him. He's got an edge to him. Yeah. 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 Well said. Yeah. He's just uh, he's he's very interesting. And then Aragon is gonna come back to Alexia. <laughs> for sure. Uh, would it be funny if he came back as like a ghost or it's something? Like, okay, Angela, like, you suck at prophesying. Let me just say this. <laughs> yeah, he did not have that epic romance in this. Yeah, he's not gonna leave Alexia forever. Like, what is he? So part of again, this I can totally see why people that read this were annoyed because it was basically <laughs> promised in the text. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> totally, totally one hundred percent get behind you. But I still stand by what I said about uh, Aragon yeah. and, and Arya. And but what make- do you? You made a good point. Yeah. Um, but what do you what do you think is going to happen in the next few books? OK, I think and this time I will actually be annoyed if Murtag does not end at least his the next series of books. I don't know if it's a one standalone one and done sort of thing, but the next series of books, he better end with Nasuada as his boo. I think that's going to happen. happen. Yeah. Yep. But I think that you're right in that he's going to be like conflicted living in a cave, just like trying to, you know, better himself. And then he's going to be like, okay, I'm going to go do this thing. And then that's going to be waylaid somehow. Aragorn's going to have need of him and he's going to be walking by like a pool of water and he's going to scry or something. And he's going to be like, I need you. And then, uh, yeah, he's going to have to come back. And I hope most of the tale takes place outside of Allegasia and it's not so focused around like we have some of the old characters but i hope we get a lot of new ones yeah i think we will i think it'd be cool yeah um yeah how would you rank these books uh from your from your least favorite to your favorite oh least favorite bersinger bersinger is your least favorite okay totally yep and then the second one wait wait inheritance is the third bersinger is the third right yeah 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 and then the second one eldest okay eldest and then inheritance and then aragon with a, th- with kind of a conflicting maybe the Aragon and Inheritance are both I like yeah. Aragon probably from nostalgia nostalgia is weighing a lot on my Aragon being my first yeah I would say I would say um Brissinger is my least favorite I think I would put Aragon under Eldest honestly which is funny oh, really? because I didn't really like Eldest that much right when I finished it but then I kind of like thought about it some more and like compared it to these other books and stuff and like I kind of have a soft spot in my heart in there because like Eldest starts with a bang. It's really good it stuff really in does. there. The hell then, grind thing. Yeah, and then like Aragon being in Ellis Mira, while kind of boring, is also kind of charming too. And there's like some, and then like the very end of Eldest is really good. Really uh, cool. Tag rising. Uh, so I think I want to put Aragon, yeah, like right above uh, Brissinger, and then Eldest, and then Inheritance. The last okay. one is my favorite. Yeah. You, you know, it's kind of funny. I just thought of when. Aragon sent Roran, Katrina, and Safira away after rescuing Katrina. One of the justifications was, I need to go look. Maybe the Razak have eggs or something. I need to go make sure that their race is gone. And then, like, him being, like, chained up with Arya next to these, like, about oh my to God, hatch I forgot about Razak that part. eggs, yeah. like, about to be eaten. She's like, nice work killing the rest of the <laughs> Razak. <laughs> I really liked that part, actually. That Me was too. a really suspenseful, really cool part. Um, that was the and closest how I felt, like, that, that Arya was going to die. But it was, like, too early on in the book. But that was, like, probably one time out of this whole book where I was like, whoa, this is getting a little hairy. You Can guys, you like, how is this going to... Yeah. Reading about Aragon, like watching her being eaten alive by the Razak chained yeah. to the wall. Like, Whoa! No. Yeah, and then Angela comes in and saves the day. Right, um, magic blade. It's funny until the um the werecats were kind of like introduced uh, in mass. I had 
I'd picture it's uh, Solenbaum as like an actual cat. Like oh, we a, do. Like a house cat. Same. Um, like a big one. No, like a normal sized one. Oh, he was like the size of like a, a little dog. Oh, see, like I didn't mind. really see. Like I, I thought he was like just like a magical house cat. You know what I mean? So that's what I had always seen in my head. And then the way that they're described and the way that, you know, like Solenbaum like transforms into like a kid. Like a but, little you know, boy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like, whoa, whoa, that's way cooler than like the talking house cat thing. Like I mean, <laughs> right. that would have been cool in and of itself. But the werecat thing was a pretty cool idea for sure. Um, but yeah, damn, I forgot about that whole situation with uh aragon and aria being like hung by their toes or whatever they weren't hung by their toes but <laughs> yeah. yeah and like those crazy religious zealots are in there and like they're just like oh you're so lucky to be sacrificed to our god and I was like this is awesome like this is this is why this book is definitely cooler you know yep like, I totally feel like this is this is the most in my opinion like original of the three of the four um maybe not in like in like if you if you look at it as like a whole, especially the kind of some of the parts of the ending and stuff. But I feel like like the individual things that happen are definitely pretty original, you know, mm -hmm. um, like Aragon. Especially right at the end, man, he was setting up to be just kind of real tropey and do exactly what we thought. And then he was just like, eh, turned. Yeah, I mean, and I guess uh, subverting expectations is cool, but <laughs> I'm really not excited. It, oh, not if it doesn't not if it doesn't makes sense though yeah <laughs> like subverting expectations when it makes sense is awesome but right but uh, for the sole sake of just subverting being like aha you couldn't predict me but as i said before and i'll say again i think a lot of my complaints are um kind of padded by the realization that the story is going to continue and i think that christopher paolini has grown a lot as a person and as a writer and even told us in the interview that he's writing murtag more towards an adult audience so i think we're going to get a little yeah, bit more like seeing the death blow you know it's going to be a little more mature and uh and i'm, I'm excited yeah me too i'm definitely gonna buy it when it comes out and um probably buy i don't know my kind of like I said, I'm like kind of bummed out that I'm not reading these anymore. I kind of liked being yeah. able to like mentally poke fun at them sometimes. And I like oh, being sure. able to um, like kind of like be along for the ride. Like some of the things that happen in this series that weren't really that I wasn't really expecting were like really cool to read about, you know, like like Brom being Aragon's dad. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's like a little bit whatever but also right. it's like oh, it's kind of cool you know unexpectedly <laughs> like, expected it is kind of cool and there yeah. was some deeper themes in this book that is how do i say this there's more to, than meets the eye to this story you can make fun of it a lot and if you're an author please don't write a perfect book so evan and i can still have things to talk about during our podcast episodes but there's really a lot more than meets the eye here. There's, <clears throat> I think there's more going on in this story and in the mind of Christopher, Christopher Paolini than just like putting together a boy defeating evil with his dragon. It's like, no, there's some actual lessons to be learned, which is nice. Yeah, it's tackling a lot of things here. I think that um, in summation, um, I would say this series is really good for people that are just getting into the fantasy genre. Absolutely. I would super recommend this to people that have never read fantasy before. I would also say that it's pretty bloated. Like it feels yeah. like it could have been three books. Like it, I don't sure think been. it needed to be four books. Um, I think that a lot of things could have been edited out. And I think that um, there's a lot of things that happen that don't really go anywhere. Um, there's whole events that don't really change anything. There's nothing that right. don't advance the story to or advance the story or anything like that. 
And, you know, I mean, like, there's the great debate of whether or not that's even an issue. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a big Stephen King fan, and you could probably uh, edit all kinds of stuff out of his books. Right. But, Our favorite but, parts of Harry Potter, we've said time and time right, again, exactly. is them in class. So, yeah, I mean, it really comes down to, uh, I feel like with this kind of story, um, for me personally, I want a lot of the fat cut off of it. You know, mm -hmm. um, that's just for me, just like important event after important event after important event. Um, when you're when you're doing this kind of like save the world questing getting epic armies together fantasy. yeah like epic high high stakes fantasy um you know you do need to have reasons for why people are trying you got to give people something to save right? right and i think that i need those, to care yeah so those kind of like lapses in action are necessary um but i felt like there were just too many of them there were just too yeah. many um like you said like needing dough like like kind of yeah. scenes or um weird side quests you know like aragon saving sloan weird side quest <laughs> yeah like aragon aragon staying behind and saving sloan was such a drag such a part weird of Grissinger. and then at the end of this book he like gives sloan his eyes back but then it's still like you still can't talk to her and it's like wait why dude like what's the right like, haven't you punished this guy enough right. like also like so much shit. for like no one should be police seems like you're pretty policey my guy yeah, yeah Aragon's a cop like he's jesus though man he's making giving people their yeah. eyesight back breaking spells that took like all of the elves and dragons he's like no no i got this by myself <laughs> i'll just take care of this uh yeah i thought that was pretty weird i think that was like one of my least favorite parts of the whole book was when because i thought aragon was just gonna be like you know what i feel like i've punished you enough like go be with your daughter you know right but then he like it's it almost makes it worse because then he's like all it's right so petty. i'm gonna make i'm gonna make it so you can actually see what you can't go interact with <laughs> right. like I mean, damn man like what the hell like that's this is supposed to be a hero character you know not like right not like okay so You've been good, so now I'm gonna do this, but uh you'll never see me again, Sloan. So right, it's like is it better that. to love and lose as or just never have loved? Well it's like in Sloan's case, like never have loved. That's the that's the better situation. Yeah, for like him. it would have been more merciful to just like make him forget that he even had a daughter or something like that. And obviously Aragon can do this kind of stuff because Aragon can do anything. anything. You know? And like that's what that's another thing that made it so that I felt like the stakes were never really that raised in this series is because pretty much whenever there's an issue, Aragon can tackle it with magic, you know, right. like as if there's any, like he's worried about Roran, set a bunch of wards on Roran, you know, and like make it so that the magic that Roran uses, you just got to like refill it like a gas tank every now and then or whatever, who gives a right. shit, you know what I mean? Like we just was we'll do whatever. And you know what pretty much any issue that aragon is faced with he can tackle it with magic yeah well as aragon is wrapping up i think aragon is time to be era finished yeah and tell murtag yeah um yeah yeah i had a little bit of a hangover here uh yeah some pretty pretty cool parts of all of this uh took us a little while to get through them these are some doorstopper books they're um, huge yeah, I think there's some stuff to dig into here. We were able to make over four hours of content off of these books pretty easily. I mean, like, this yep. is not hard to do. It's not hard to talk about these books. Some as sad, as sad as it is to see these go, we have so many great books on our plate. So uh, I guess the the only way to get over a book is to get under another one. So <laughs> let's go do that. <laughs>
yeah for everybody listening thank you so much for joining us on our inheritance journey it's had its ups and downs it's had its rounds and rounds but it's been a good time i've enjoyed myself thoroughly i've enjoyed myself even more being able to talk with you about this series chad same uh it's been it's been a blast um and so for everybody listening uh, if you want to join us for our next read uh we'll be doing sort of kaigen in the patreon book club that we have after that we'll be doing the spear cuts through water by simon jimenez and then on the uh regular podcast we'll be doing the dream blood duology by nk jemison the first book is called the killing moon and you should look out for an episode on that in like maybe like probably a week and a half two weeks something like that yeah. we need to focus on sword of kaigen and the expanse which uh we're on book four of that right now so we have a lot going on Oof. yep but as always it is uh an honor and such a boost and elevation of the value I get from reading to have all of you wonderful listeners along for the ride and to discuss it with you my best buddy Evan my man my guy uh, alright everybody that's going to do it for us here today for book reviews kill and for inheritance we're saying goodbye to all these characters this whole story and we'll see you next time with our next recap and discussion series that we do I hope all of you have an awesome rest of your day and of course happy reading bye everybody